we do real prayer. Um, that's uh, better than other prayer, I guess. And uh, I gather it's in a series, and I, I gather last week's talk was in a different series. So, um, but I hear that it was a very grown-up talk last week. So I guess the issue was who to sort of wheel on after that. And here I am. They say um, a picture is worth a thousand words. I hope a picture is going to come up. Yeah, wonderful. Can you see that? That, as you know, comes from Michelangelo's painting that's on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And it's the creation of Adam. So on the right-hand side, we see the hand of God reaching out to humankind. And on our side, the left-hand side, we see our hand arguably kind of a little bit less enthusiastically reaching out towards God. So the initiative seems to be coming from God. And I think that is really depicts what we're, what we're at when we're doing prayer. We're, 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 we, are, we are, whatever else we're doing, we're reaching out to God, but we always need to remember that God is always reaching out to us more than we're reaching out to him. And much of the aim of prayer is, is that. It, it's to connect. I mean, when you go into the prayer room, isn't that what we are seeking? We're seeking connection. We're not, we're not seeking to speak to the ceiling. We're not seeking to sort of kind of have great oratory and, you know, that, you know, if this ceiling were living, it would be so moved by what was coming out of our mouths. We're seeking something far higher than that. We're seeking to connect with the creator of the universe. And he, remember, all the time is seeking to connect with us. And to connect, well, it just, we know when we have it, and we know when we don't. I used to be the director of prayer at HTB in London. And we embarked on a prayer weekend, and it, it was our, our first one. It was the first time we'd ever done it, and we really didn't know what you would do on a prayer weekend. I mean, we knew you would pray, but, but how would you do that for a whole sort of weekend? One of the things we did was we arranged prayer watches going through the night. We thought, we thought prayer watches sounded like a, you know, a good idea. So we, we ordered it through the night. Two, uh, we ordered the night into two-hour sections, and different people rocked up for different prayer watches. And a friend of mine called Fraser was leading one of the first prayer watches. I wasn't there. And his report was this. It was that for an hour and three quarters, it was like we were wading through treacle. But then God showed up. And for the last quarter of an hour, we were surfing. In other words, what he was saying was, we experience connection and we know the difference. the difference. The difference is everything when it comes to prayer. And connection, of course, brings, brings contact. Tantalizingly, tantalizingly, the two fingers are not actually in contact. 
And, but with connection is contact. And of course, in any kind of, I, I understand we're in the electric theater, contact brings power. Contact is when the, the sparks start to fly, the power starts to flow. And prayer is, is about coming into contact with power. It's not, it's not the totality of prayer, but prayer brings, one of the things it brings with it is the potential of power. Not our power. The, the flow of power is, is down, not up, as we know. But with contact comes power. This is something about the Second World War. On 27 May 1940, King George VI called for a national day of prayer following the realization that the British troops in northern France were at risk of total annihilation. Three extraordinary events occurred following that day of prayer. First, Hitler overruled his generals and halted the advance of his troops, something that has never been fully explained. Second, a storm of unprecedented scale grounded the Luftwaffe that was poised to attack the evacuating troops. And third, despite the storm, a serene calm settled over the channel days later, which enabled a vast armada of boats to come and rescue the escaping men. Either this is an extraordinary set of coincidences, or this was the hand of God in response to a nation on its knees praying. And of course, one of the things we're grateful for today, isn't it, is, is God's deliverance. God, God bringing us through terrible dark days like the days I've just been reading about. Poignantly, it has been reflected that when Christians stop praying, Sorry, when people stop praying, Christians backslide. Young people rebel, preachers leave pulpits, mission fields close, and churches die. So, when people are praying, conversely, we can expect Christians on fire, young people inspired, preachers in pulpits, new mission fields, and more churches. Amen. And as I've said, in prayer, you know when you have made contact. You, you, you know, I know. It's that sort of transforming moment that comes when somehow our minds maybe stop wandering when we're praying on our own. You know, that sort of annoying syndrome when you're, you're desperately trying to pray well and suddenly you're thinking about something that's completely unconnected with what you were praying about, but, but suddenly somehow things come into sharper focus and you kind of, you're conscious of connection. You're conscious that sort of a dynamic has shifted, a dynamic has changed. And this, of course, can apply when we're praying together as well. And in Acts in chapter 13, there just seems to be one of these sort of occasions. Let me read to you. This is the story from Acts 13. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, 
Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, which sounds a petrifying experience, and Saul, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And church historians amongst you will know this is the first of Paul's missionary journeys. This is, this is what initiated it. It was an absolute defining moment. But for all we know, this was just a time when a bunch of guys and girls got together to pray and to worship. But something, something happened as they were in that activity that probably wouldn't have happened if they hadn't been in that activity, which is the Holy Spirit spoke. Now, I wasn't there. I'm not as old as I look. And, but it seems like quite likely that there was a, like a, a pivotal point in that meeting. And there was, if you like, connection. There was contact. And God sort of manifested. It's not that God's presence isn't there, but God made his presence known. And there was a word of prophecy, and they were able to relate to that. And I think, I mean, it's recorded for all eternity, after all. I think that was a, a moment of connection, a moment of contact, if you like, that took the, the ordinary into the realm of the extraordinary. And in a way, that's what is transformational when it comes to prayer. Um, we were in Madrid recently, as 24-7, and we had a, an extraordinary evening then when a, a word of prophecy, a dramatic word of prophecy, kind of transformed our proceedings. They were, you know, it was great already, but, but, but this, through this word of prophecy, through the Holy Spirit speaking to us, there was a time of prayer for the Middle East released, which wasn't planned, the like of which I have never experienced. So, Connection, contact, it brings transformation in prayer. Now I want to look at a story that comes in Exodus 17 with you, if I may. Let me read it to you. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword." You see this, this scene playing out at two levels. It plays out in the valley. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. But it also plays out up the hill because Moses said, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So it's like there's the seen realm, Joshua, the army, physical, real, fighting for their lives, absolutely in the material, physical, seen realm. But there's also something going on in the unseen realm. 
And the two are related. And we ignore one at our peril. We have to do the first one well. We ignore the other at our peril. Cromwell brought the two together when he said to his troops, trust in God and keep your powder dry. You know, why didn't he just say, trust in God? It's because we always have a part to play. It isn't just about praying. It's praying that's earthed, if you like. It's praying that relates to the activity of our lives. It's praying that, of course, it's relational. But with that, it's relating prayer to things that are playing out on the earth at various different levels. Trust in God and keep your prouder dry. You see, the role of Joshua and the army was vital. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. Now that took training, that took skill, that took courage, it took all the things that, that Eric was talking about and reminding us of this morning. They had to do that as well as they possibly could. It's no good sort of ambling up to a battle and saying, you, you know, boy, I wish we'd done more training. You've you got to prepare for the battle before the day of the battle. You've got to do it well. You've got to do it as well as you are able to do it. I mean, our, that's what we were hearing about our troops. They're doing a job, but they're trained for their job, and they're, they're skilled, and they're equipped. And in our context, we have to engage, like Joshua and the army had to engage. We... We have to engage as well. Maybe, it's, maybe you're concerned with running a business. Do it well. Maybe you're concerned with raising a family. Do it as well as you can. Get some training on that. There are some wonderful courses and materials. We're not born knowing how to raise a family. Maybe it's doing your daily job, whatever that is. Do it as well as you can. Get all the help you can. Get all the skills you can. Get all the training you can. Do it well. Or in the church, for example, maybe it could be any one of a whole number of things, but it might be like running an alpha course. Well, it, well, do it well. How you do it is very important in terms of determining the outcome. And, and in the context, employ the power of prayer. Why would we, as Christians, do engage in whatever activity we are engaging in and not deploy the, the power of prayer in the context as well. The title of this talk is We Do Real Prayer. Prayer is transformational. If you're running a business, you're up against all sorts of even better businesses. Well, one defining characteristic that you have is you have, as a Christian, as a Christian in business, you have the power of prayer as well as everything else. Why would we not bring the power of prayer as Moses up the hill brought the power of prayer on that day to Joshua and the army who were fighting as well as they can, but when Moses was not praying, 
They were losing. That's the lesson of the story. And when Moses was praying, they, they were still fighting as hard whether he was praying or not. But when he wasn't praying, they were losing. And when he was praying, they were winning. It's transformational. And it's available for us to bring to the proceedings. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. This is a story that's almost unbelievable, I find. It's about George Muller. Someone called Charles Inglis related the following remarkable incident. When I first came to America 31 years ago, he said, I crossed the Atlantic with the captain of a steamer who was one of the most devoted men I ever knew. And when we were off the banks of Newfoundland, he said to me, Mr. Inglis, the last time I crossed here five weeks ago, one of the most extraordinary things happened that has completely revolutionized the whole of my Christian life. Up to that time, I was one of your ordinary Christians. We had a man of God on board, George Muller of Bristol. Because of dense fog, I had been on that bridge for 22 hours and never left it. I was startled by someone tapping me on the shoulder. It was George Muller. Captain, said he, I have come to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. This was Wednesday. It is impossible, I said. Very well. If your ship can't take me, God will find some other means of locomotion to take me. I have never broken an engagement in 57 years. I would willingly help you, but how can I? I am helpless, said the captain. Let us go down to the chart room and pray, he said. I looked at this man and I thought to myself, what lunatic asylum could the man have come from? I have never heard of such a thing. Mr. Muller, I said, do you know how dense this fog is? No, he replied. My eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He went down on his knees and he prayed one of the most simple prayers. I thought to myself, that would suit a children's class where the children were not more than eight or nine years of age. The burden of his prayer was something like this. Oh Lord, if it is consistent with your will, please remove this fog in five minutes. You know I have an, an engagement in Quebec for Saturday. I believe it is your will. When he had finished, I was going to pray, but he put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. First, he said, you do not believe God will do it. And second, I believe he has done it. And there is no need whatever for you to pray about it. I looked at him, and George Muller Miller said this, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years, and there has never been a single day that I have failed to gain an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door, and you will find the fog is gone. I got up, and the fog was gone. The following Saturday afternoon, George Muller was in Quebec. He did real prayer. So we pray at different levels. They prayed in a national day of prayer in 1940. 
when their circumstance, the national situation, was absolutely bleak and critical, and they came through. George Muller prayed to keep an appointment in Quebec. Or maybe it's just a prayer about your child at school, but there are no justs with God. God is just as interested in the little or the sort of mundane aspects of life as he is in situations involving nations. God doesn't seem to sort of kind of distinguish in that way. And I remember being on my knees once all night. It's, it was only once, and it was about one of our children, and I was so worried about him at his new school. He was so unhappy that I just stayed on my knees all night about it. And in the morning, the situation had changed. Now, maybe that's just a coincidence. Or maybe this loving God who is reaching out to us does respond to the cries of our hearts. I believe that he does. My experience is that I share with all of you, because it's your experience as well, is that he is interested and he does respond. He is a good God. He is a loving God. And it's the most wonderful thing to make contact and to connect with him. In fact, you have the hand of God up there on the screen and you have the hand of man. And they're like this. But if you put them like that, maybe that's a picture of true prayer. Man, humankind, and God connected and contacted. In conclusion, at the start of your week of prayer, as you go into the prayer room or whether you're just going to set aside some time because it's not practical to you to go to the prayer room, number one, Seek the divine connection. Seek it. The picture speaks of it. It speaks of God who is so keen to have time with you, so keen to connect with you, so keen to have contact with you, so keen to speak with you. Prayer is speaking with God. There is no relationship without speech. Seek the divine connection connection. Number two, make contact. Do I have any tips about that? There are no formula. Maybe one. Look up. You're not going to find the answer kind of looking in or looking down. The psalmist says this, I will lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Our help comes from the one who is, whose hand is depicted reaching down, reaching down, seeking contact with us. And then let the presence, because with contact comes the presence of God, let the presence and the power flow. Why shouldn't this week of prayer be utterly transformational in your lives? Why shouldn't this week of prayer be transformational in and around Guildford? Why would we want to limit God? 
He has, he has omnipotence. Behind the hand on the right, there is omnipotence. He has omnipotence at his disposal. So, you know, think big as you go into this week of prayer. At every level, whatever the level may be, let the presence and the power flow when you're on your knees. And then finally, remember Walter Wink. Walter Wink said this. He said, history belongs to the intercessors. In that prayer room, in this coming week, you can change history. Stuff that was going to happen that wasn't good can be stopped. And the stuff that needs to happen that is good can be released by you on your knees in contact with the hand, the finger of omnipotence. So enjoy this week. Go for it this week. Make a difference this week. Watch what God can do this week. And then make notes and remember, because today we're remembering, remember God's goodness. I find it so easy to forget to do that last bit, you know? Something that I've been sort of praying for, and it happens, and I kind of, life moves on. Now, never forget gratitude. Remember the goodness of God, the kindness of God, and all that he will do in response and in answer to your prayer. Would you just, where you're sitting, would you just sort of like be in an attitude of prayer just for a moment? I just want you to do one thing before I hand back to Bill, and it's this. Would you take a moment of silence to think of something that you're really passionate about that relates to Guilford? It doesn't matter what it is, it's just you represent a load of the life of Guildford. Maybe you relate to some school. I'm not going to try and list it all. Just take a moment to think of something that really your heart sort of kind of warms about. You're, you're, you're kind of, you know, you ache for something to come to pass that will relate in whatever way to in and around Guildford. And what I want you to do is to take that into this week of prayer. You'll be praying about loads of other stuff as well, but take that, whatever it is that comes to you now, take it into this week of prayer. And then maybe in a week's time, think about the thing and see what might have changed. But just take a moment of silence to do that if you would. Eric said something that stuck in my mind. Freedom is not free. And Father, would you help this church, Emmaus Road, to do real prayer this week, Father? Thank you that we're just responding to you, seeking to respond to you, Lord, that you're always reaching out to us, Lord. You're always looking for connection and contact, Lord, with us. Father, help us to connect and contact with you in this coming week, Lord.
Lord, would you release the spirit of prayer over this church this week, Lord, Father. And would you bless, Lord, your people, Lord, in conversation with you, Lord. And would you change them, Lord. And would this church come out of this coming week, Lord, different from how it goes into it, Lord, Father. Because, Lord, we can't have connection and contact with you and be the same. So change us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>